Welcome, everybody. Purpose Driven with Alex Cornwall. We're here with an amazing, amazing guest. I think this is one of the best podcasts so far. I can't wait to hear Jen Morris, your story. Just just having your persona here. I am so excited for the audience to get to know you, your wonderful book that you've written, and just about your life. Thank you, Jen, so much for coming on. So excited for this. Me too. Me too. Thank you, Alex, for this opportunity. I'm uh, really excited to sit down and see where this conversation leads us. Oh, it's going to be a great conversation. I hope people are ready for this amazing, amazing person in front of me to hear your story, where you are in your life, and what got you to this point? I mean, I'm just excited to hear your story. I really haven't so, heard it in depth, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, well, I've it's heard kind of long. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. We've got we've got like an hour, so we're good. <laughs> we're good. I love it. So I love it. Tell us a little bit about Jen Morris. Well, gosh, about me now, um, I get the honor to say I'm an author. Okay. Um, you know, I think our childhood is the one thing that molds who we are, whether we like it or not. That's where all of our lessons are learned. That's how our personalities are developed. Um, that's just where it all starts. It's, that is such a profound thought, if you actually really think about that, because it's so true. Yeah, it is. No matter whether you had drama or not, yeah. it's where we were created and, and, and where it all started. Yeah. Well, tell us, tell us about your childhood growing up. I know you've had a, a very impactful childhood. Yes, yes. So if, if you don't mind sharing a little bit with us, and I, we'd love to hear the story. Yeah. When, you know, when I was five years old, my mother had died from suicide. Okay. And obviously, um, I was at a very impressionable age when that happens, right? When you're, they say that your personality is established at five years old. Yeah. And so with that being said... Um, you know, at first, my father had told me, well, he had told me that my mother had died. You know, coming from a five-year-old, I didn't even understand what that was. I didn't, yeah. I couldn't comprehend death. My brother uh, told me a story once. He said, you know, it was, we have the three of us, I have two older brothers, yeah. and the three of us were sitting around the kitchen table before the funeral. And he said that I posed this question. I said, so after the funeral, is that when mom gets to come home? Like I could not understand that she wasn't coming back. Yeah. And so living in that trauma of your mother dying, um, you know, you just try to go day by day to try and make sense of it. I was so confused. I was scared. I was terrified. And then it was probably within the next year or 18 months that I was down at the neighbor's house. And playing uh, with a, a friend, mm -hmm. and he turned to me and he said, "You know, your mother shot herself. That's how she died." And I said, "No, she didn't." He said, "Yes, she did." He said, "I saw them bring the body out, and she shot herself." And I remember running home and telling my dad, "I said, Dad." Johnny is such a liar. He told me that mom shot herself and she didn't. She had a heart attack and that's how she died. And he said, well, it's true. She did. She shot herself. Wow. And as an adult, looking back on that situation, I, I mean, my father was just, you know, you could, in pictures, you can just see the trauma in his face after she had died. You, I mean, I could tell you the date just the by looking at a picture. The night and day. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I mean, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't even look at me. Nothing. But that's where I created my first belief, true belief in myself that oh, this wasn't an accident. This trauma was deliberate. My mother deliberately left me, and you know, my first belief of I'm not enough. God's made a mistake. Really was solidified in that moment. Now, why did why did you have that belief? I mean, for a five year old to to think that I'm not enough, it's my fault. I mean, that had to weigh on you, even at five years old. You really oh, yeah. had that thought. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, your parents, and I think especially a mother, she was a stay-at-home mom. My father my father was a dentist, and she was my lifeline. You know, yeah. she was the one that I spent the majority of my time with, who taught me the majority of things. I mean, just pictures, the few pictures that I have of being with her, I would just idolized her and wanted to be with her constantly. So yeah, without knowing it, obviously, it's something that was unconscious to my knowledge. Yeah. But that was where my first identity really was created was in that moment of um, finding out that she had died from suicide and not a heart attack. And not a heart attack. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you had to carry that through your whole teenage growing up. and Carry that through my whole teenage years, you know, and subsequently my father, he, you know, from stories uh, mm-hmm. that I've heard, but um, before she had passed, had started drinking. And after she had passed, became a heavy alcoholic and actually ended up dying from liver cirrhosis when I was 25. So then I'm raised by an alcoholic father. And there was one very specific event shortly after I found out about my mother that I remember waking up. It was the middle of the night. I came out in the kitchen and heard that the television was on downstairs, went downstairs And I was standing there and I was witnessing my father who was so drunk trying to turn off the television and he had the remote in his hand and he couldn't even push the button. He kept missing the remote. I mean, he was could barely get off the couch. He was that drunk and he was trying to explain to me, I can't get this television turned off. And as I was watching him, I came up with my second belief is that. I have no one to take care of me. I mean, look at this man. God bless him. He can't even take care of himself. But now I have no one. So not only have I been abandoned by my mother because I wasn't enough to keep her alive, I wasn't a good enough reason, um, I now have no one to take care of me. And I'm like five or six years old. What did that do to you? Like, I mean, growing up, that gave you a sense of like independence, I'm, I'm assuming. You know what? It that didn't. You, that you it, took care I, of yourself, right? I flipped the opposite you way. You did. Because I lived Why in such that? trauma. I lived in such trauma, such fear and anxiety that I always just tried to search for someone to take care of me. I'm like, these people yeah. cannot take care of me. In fact, it was probably a few years after that that I would go through my father's closet when he was gone and I would literally search for adoption papers. Because I was convinced. I'm like, there is no way I was born into this family. Really? There have got to be adoption papers in here somewhere. And I'm going to find my real family. And they're going to be amazing and wonderful. And of course, you know, I never found any. But it just was, that's how I lived. It was just constant trauma. Who can take care of me? Who do I need to be for someone to like me? How long did you live with that? Oh, gosh. Oh, my heavens. Up into my 40s. Up into your 40s. In really? my mid forties, yep. I mean, 
I, I know when trauma like that happens, I mean, I, I'm assuming I've never had it happen in, in my life, but there's a weight that you carry mm-hmm. to a point where it's even hard to talk about. I mean, oh, how, for when, sure. when was, when was the first time you realized that I need to work on this and, and there's something that that's wrong? You know, I had always gone to a therapist okay. off and on. Started when I was a teenager. Finally, my father said, you might need to go talk to someone about this. And went to a man that I know, you know, he was a family friend and he was a psychologist and was amazing. Learned many things from him mm-hmm. and had, you know, I call him God's graces along the way. When I had Mackenzie, our oldest, I was holding her and I knew that how sick my mother must have been to have left three children because there was no way I would ever leave this baby because I was a healthy woman having a baby. And I'm like, okay, she must have been sick. She must have been sick. So it wasn't until about my mid forties that, you know, those things start to catch up with you. Yeah, they do. You live a life of always wanting and wondering, why do I not have these close relationships with people? Uh, with friends. It can only go so deep. Well, it's because I lived a life protecting my heart because there is no way, Alex, I would ever let you get close to me because the last time I let someone get close to me, which was my mother, she left me. And it's just, there's no way I'm going to let you do that. You know, you bring up an amazing, I mean, it's so often that you, you, we think about the trauma that, that we face in the past and it could be, you know, a family member suicide or just how we were raised or, oh, or yes, the parents, absolutely. the neglection of our parents or, you know, anything, it could be anything. And those walls, and I, I call them like those unconscious walls. Mm-hmm. We don't know that we're putting up those walls. Exactly. You don't know that, that we're putting up that wall in our heart, not letting those people fully come in mm-hmm. and how often just by accepting the trauma. Mm-hmm. that it did happen by, by let alone just accepting like, yeah, that happened to me. Mm-hmm. How many walls just that would break down. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes, for sure. And I really thought I had moved through it. Yeah. You know, um, in my mid forties, my husband and I both went to heavy therapy at, together as a couple and then individually to work on ourselves. And I remember the first time that I met, um, there are a couple actually, I met with him and we were talking about my childhood and he kept asking me about my childhood. And I just was thinking, why does it keep reverting back to my childhood? I mean, like I work through this. I can now go to her grave without sobbing. I can now have a conversation about her without tearing up or choking up. Like, I really think I've moved through this. But- We really don't. I mean, not to say that we don't get over it because, you know, I I don't think you ever get over suicide or a death of someone close to you. I don't think, I I think it's, it's that acceptance of it. Yes. It's actually just your new normal. It's your new normal. Hey, look, it happened. Yes. It is what it is. And let's go back a little bit because that's one thing I do want to touch on is your relationship. You know, George Morris, you guys family friend. I love you both so oh, much. Oh, we love you guys And too. I love having you in my life and the impact that you've had on my life. I'm not going to tear up. has <laughs> <laughs> been such a blessing for me. So Jen, I, you, I don't know if you, you realize how much you mean to me, you and George. And Thank you. 
I do well. want to I want to touch on on that relationship because you've known George for a very long time. Yes. And it's so interesting yeah. listening to his story and his point of view on this whole story. He he was there. He heard the ambulance come mm-hmm. and his side of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's talk about that a little bit like your upbringing with him and how that came about. Right. If you right. don't mind us going into that. Well, it's so funny how we're connected. And it, we were connected clear back when I was five years old because our backdoor neighbors um, ended up, the mother ended up being his stepmother. So there was a divorce there. And then she married George's father. Yeah. And he remember, and my brother remembers George running around in the backyard that was, you know, right behind our backyard. So he was, he was like, who is that little kid over there running around being obnoxious? And it was well, George G- Morris. That's George for you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, love it. I know. So, you know, we went, they moved off to Paris for a couple of years. His father got transferred over there, but we ended up going to junior high together and he'll tell the story that, well, Jennifer Morris asked me if I was going to this dance. Well, so, uh, back then it was Schofield. Yeah. Jen, Jenny Schofield came down and asked me if I was going to the dance. And I'm really, it was because he was the only one in the hall and I felt sorry for him. So I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so we did, we ended up going to a part of junior high and all through high school, but we had different friend groups. We never dated. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was such a nerd. Never <laughs> dated. I and love it. um and it wasn't until a few years later when I was actually living with my aunt and uncle and um my cousin Rob Oki is our, we're all the same age graduated the same year yeah. and so he and Rob are best friends and he would always come over to the house and that's how it all started That's how Now was it hard to develop a relationship with George with your past drama looking oh, back absolutely. on it Absolutely Yes absolutely You know like again I can only go so deep with you if I really am guarding my heart. It can only, the relationship can only go so deep. I always wanted, I craved these deep relationships. You know, I would pray to God, please bring a friend, please bring, bring a friend to me that I really connected with. But every time that person would show up, it could only go so deep. Yeah. And with him, you know, he was adopted when he was a baby at three days old. And unbeknownst to him, unconscious, he had abandonment issues. So here you have two people in a marriage where one, he was guarding her heart. I will never let you fully give give you my heart. And the other one who says, well, I'm never going to leave because I have abandonment issues and I will stay here through thick and thin. Yeah. You know, that's not a recipe for a very deep, lovingly thriving <laughs> marriage. I mean, it's a marriage, but... Again, it can only go so deep. It can only go so deep. Yeah. And it, and it's something you guys have worked on. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. For a very long time. And I, I do want to touch on relationship because a lot of times past trauma, we don't want to, we don't want to accept it. We don't want to face it. And mm-hmm. so we just try to move on. Like mm-hmm. you did that how, how often in your life, just moved on. You thought you were fine. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I'm fine. I've already gone right. through that. Right. I don't need to deal with that shit anymore in my life. Right? Yeah, right. Right. But how much of it is actually holding us back? Oh, absolutely. And one thing that I learned that was so vital in therapy in my 40s is we were going to this couple. You know, I attended this seminar and um, it was right when I was doing all of my self-work, meditating daily, journaling, reading. And it was so incredible after the seminar that I went to, I had 
this realization, oh my gosh, I've been living my life looking through the, this lens of yeah. this terrified five-year-old child. Like every action I had taken, every decision, why wasn't spontaneous? Because I wanted my life to be predictable because that's what kept me safe. That's what kept me comfortable. Um, How did you shift from that? Well, once I made the realization, I remember going back to the therapist and going, I think I'm healed. Like <laughs> I have made this realization and I am healed. Like this is never going to happen to me again. And um, as she proceeded to say, that's wonderful that you've done that, but I need you to know that that five-year-old little girl will always be with you. Always. She's never going away. However, when she comes up, you're going to be able to recognize her. And you're going to be able to make the conscious decision, do I stay in this five-year-old terrified and make decisions that way? Or do I self-soothe myself, comfort myself, make different decisions and move on as an adult? And so it has now become this... You You know, kind of face it. You face it. You You do. And sometimes I get trapped in her. Yeah. And it is so obvious. It is so obvious when I do. And then other times I'm like, okay, you know what? And I really have to do a lot of self-talk and go, it's okay. It's gonna be okay. We're gonna just sit in this anxiety for a moment, but we're still gonna move forward. You know, I think that's a, a really important concept right there that people should hear and understand that it'll never go away. Right. Yes. Like you'll never get over your anxiety hundred percent. Right. You'll never get over the depression. You'll never get over that being or seeing yourself that five little year old girl or that person that, you know, the, that little boy that's just there. You'll never, right. you'll never be able to just get through that. You have to accept it in your life. Yes, absolutely. And it's the decisions you make following. I think yeah. that's huge. Yeah. That's really huge. Well, let's go back a little bit. I mean, because of this, I mean, this trauma and the work that you've done, you said you're, you're, you are an author, you I'm know, an author. you're an author. So exciting. I know. I I love your book, by the way. Thank you. You've read it to, Thank you. to us as a group for a couple of times, but let's go back. I mean, you've got your, your little bunny. I know. And I know that's a representation of a lot of things that you hold dear to your heart. So explain, explain to us a little bit about why bunny and, and what all this means and, and the concept around the book. Okay. Well, this bunny, you know, when I was five, I had this stuffed animal Snoopy. that I would carry with me everywhere after my mother's death because it gave me so much comfort. It was just the one thing that I could hold and comfort myself with. Mm -hmm. So when this book came out, I wanted to be able to have that representation in the book and create a bunny for someone to hold. So when they're reading the book, it'll give them something to comfort them, no matter what they're going through. So this book... Is um, it's a story of my childhood, a little. It's I always say it's it's Hollywoodized for sure. <laughs> I wish this was how it happened. I mean, not that how it happens because actually in the story the mother dies, but if this is a way and a reminder for people who have lost someone, whether it's suicide, whether it's it's just someone who's lost someone from death, that we're always connected to the ones that we love, even after they passed. It's just. This has been such a spiritual experience for me to write this and how it came about that I really think of myself, I'm just a messenger. Why why spiritual? Because the words that have come out on this page, and it's all written like a Dr. Seuss, it rhymes. Yeah, I love it. 
It's written so a child who is five years old will understand it, mm-hmm. and also an adult who has gone through this can find love and comfort in it. But it's just, it's, it's, words have fallen onto this page that I can't, I mean, let me read. This is my favorite, this is my favorite um, sentence in the whole book. And this, like, truly, I remember exactly where I was, where I was sitting, the time of day it came through, and I'm like, I didn't come up with that. Yeah. It says, you know, Jenny, so the premise of the story before I read this, just to kind of give you a little bit of a background, Jenny has this bunny and she is asking her mom, why do I really like this bunny? And so her mother uses the bunny as an example to teach her what love is. And she's telling her, look, leave your bunny on the blanket and walk down to the ocean with me. Do you still love your bunny? Do you still have those feelings? And she goes, well, of course. And she said, well, that's what love is. Love will always connect you together, whether you're with your bunny or not. And so afterwards, um, Jenny now understands this concept. And her mother says, Jenny's mom gave a smile. Let's go home, she softly said. The sun has fallen asleep, and that means it's time for bed. I mean... I'm not a poet. I, I did not major in, I mean, in English in college. I just, it really just flowed out of me. Yeah. So and, it was really fun. And how has that helped with your healing? Oh my gosh. Writing this book. I mean, explain that a little bit of putting, uh, and I, I really want to go back to, cause you did mention that you've through meditation and through journaling, you've been able to heal the most. Absolutely. And let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, to the point where you've written a book, but the power of journaling mm-hmm. and the and and what it does for your healing, how has that truly helped you and that writing this book helped you in your healing? You know, um, writing something down, I just think sometimes my my mind gets so jumbled mm-hmm. and I just feel so overwhelmed at time. But if I'm able to sit, take a moment write down things, even if it's a to-do list, yeah. but just questions that I may pose in my journal or um, things I might be thinking about, like I'm struggling with this and just writing it out, it takes that anxiety away. It takes the anxiety away and it gives me just a clearer perspective on what I need to do moving forward. And through that, I think once you work through a trauma and you are able to go on the flip side and help someone else. Yeah. I think not that I'm not affected by it because I always will be, you know, that again, that five-year-old's always in me. But when you are able to move and help someone else through their trauma, I think that's when you're thinking, when when you've like gone over the hurdle, like, okay, now I can help someone else. Like I have to be on my game for me to help someone else or help you with something. Like I have had to work through it to be able to learn the lessons, to be able to teach someone else. See, I love that concept because that is so true. And that's one thing I love about, you know, living a life of growth and contribution. Mm -hmm. That's where that growth and contribution really comes into play. Without contribution, there will be no growth. Right. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Right. And if you truly want to get over any type of problem or situation or trauma or anything, serve. I remember I've been going through some stuff these past few weeks with, you know, I mean, you guys are very aware. One thing that George told me on the phone, like he asked me, we're supposed to speak tomorrow at that summit. And he's like, and I was like, "Ah, I really just don't want to speak. I have no, even right now, like I'm supposed to speak tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I have no desire to speak. Mm -hmm. One thing he told me, he's like, Alex, you want to get over this funk? Speak. Yeah. 
go serve, go help others with this. And I guarantee you'll impact their life. Oh, absolutely. And I think even one of the things, it's not even necessarily the action, but once you do, I'm excited to hear what you say tomorrow. By I right? have no idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, it'll come to you. Once we do that, it always comes back to us that someone else is struggling with the same thing. And You're isn't never alone. that healing? You're never alone, but we feel so isolated in our struggle. Yeah. And isn't that such a gift? Like someone comes up to you, oh, dude, that's what I needed to hear. Like I needed to hear that today. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. And I think that's what, I mean, for me, my belief is that that is why we are here. We are meant to have these trials yeah. and we are meant to work through them and figure it out because our responsibility is to help our next person to help our brother or our sister. It's so funny you bring all this up because the one thing that's been going through my head in these past few weeks, and I've written it down multiple times is God will not give you a trial you cannot overcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's literally yeah, impossible, for sure. For but sure. you've got to be willing to overcome, overcome it. You got to right. be willing to actually take the action and the steps to actually do it. Yes. And I, and it's, it's amazing to me how there are, opportunities put in your path if you're leading that life of growth and contribution that will help you. I mean, even doing this podcast, it's like, do you really want to do this podcast when you're going through shit at home? Right. You know, it's hard. It's just about the last thing on your mind, Exactly. It really is. But I know it's the one thing you need to do. Yeah. You know, is it the last thing you want to do is write a children's book to rekindle or re-remember all those traumas in the past? Right. And I can only imagine what emotions that brought up writing this book. Oh, yeah. But look at the good that's come out of it. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it, and yeah. it's so hard. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I, I have a theory that every, you know, those people who have accomplished great things in this world, whether it's building a skyscraper, whether it's starting a, um, a nonprofit or mm-hmm. building a company. I would say nine times out of 10, it's come out of trauma. Trauma from their childhood, of whether it's a, I'm going to show you world that I can do this to prove, to make myself worthy, feel worthy of myself. Yep. It's it's out of that. Um, you know, mad, mothers against drunk, drunk driving. This woman lost her child yeah. to a drunk driver. That was severe trauma. And look what she did to create out of it. I mean, you look at these big things. These people suffered trauma. And I would say every person that you study, any kind of documentary, it all came out of trauma for some reason behind it, whether they wanted to prove themselves to the world or they had an experience happen to themselves. Or they're hiding themselves right behind the success. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, really think about it. Like, and I've, that's actually something I've been actually toying with me personally is like, mm. am I, am I so driven to be successful just to have that oversee or, or just be a blanket over the true issues that I'm facing in my life that I don't mm. want to deal with. Ooh, that's a really good one. I mean, really think yeah. about how many, how many people do you know that are very, very successful, very rich, mm-hmm. very, I mean, they built m- amazing companies, right? but you look at their personal life and they're hollow. Oh, exactly. I mean, what I, is, they're not fulfilled. They're There's not no fulfilled. joy. There's no joy. And I truly yeah. believe it's because they're hiding behind that success that they have. Yeah. They're so driven over here that they're not wanting to deal with the actual true problem that they have. Yep. 
Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Absolutely. And I, I do see that as something that, that people struggle with. I mean, I struggle with it. Everybody does mm-hmm. to a point in their life, mm-hmm. you know, and it's that acceptance of like, wait a second, I need to pivot here because that's not the life I want to live. Right. You know? Well, and I have, I have uh, another theory, my book of theories. I love that it. it. That's all... your next book. I, <laughs> I want, like that I want, title. I want... Jen's book of theories. Love it. I, I have got the epistle. <laughs> I've got the epistle of Alex. So I love it. I write in the epistle of Alex every single day. <laughs> Good for you. But it's, it's about your forties or fifties mm-hmm. that you start coming into where it catches up to you, whether yeah. you like it or not. So it's, it's a time in your life where you think, Hey, do I want to live my life like this? Yeah. The second half of my life. Because really, we're about halfway through. I mean, you know, planning on making it to 100, but <laughs> that's the goal. But it really does. It starts coming up and hitting you hard. Like, yeah. are you and some people just continue to stay in it, which is fine. And some people are like, you know what? I really need to dive deep. Well, and I honestly think if it wasn't for people like you and having the courage to write books like this and actually go out and speak and share your story. How many people are lost in that mix who could have been helped? You know what I'm saying? Well, the opportunity that we have to share our story. And that's another thing too, is just open your mouth. Everybody has a story. We all do. Everybody has, everybody has trauma that they faced in their life. Yes. If you're not willing to go out and at least talk about it, how do you know if, I, how do you know how many people you're not helping? Right. Does that make sense? Yep. Absolutely. I mean, one of some of the, my most fondest texts and messages that I've had is the time when I didn't want to do this anymore, do my podcast. I was rethinking, do I really want to do this? Like mm-hmm. it's taking time out of my business and out of this and out of that. Like, right. why am I doing this? And then I get that text. Hey, thank you. I was com- contemplating committing suicide. But now that I've heard your story, I know there's light at the end of the tunnel. Wow, Alex, that's amazing. That keeps you going. Yeah. Even if it was that one person, there's nobody else. Right, right. I don't care. Yep, yep. So for you to have the courage to even write this book, I mean, kudos to you. I I, I love it. Kind. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? And that, what really goes back, because, you know, even though it's a children's book, there were a million reasons for me not to do this. A million things that came up. Oh, I could easily put this on the shelf. And I did for a little I while. I was about to say, how actually. long How long did you put it on the shelf? Because I know that there's a story behind that. There's a story. Um, it, it, was, it was a couple years that it really took yeah. me to get it and write it. And, and I called my cute brother over mm-hmm. and I said, I said, you know, I'm writing this book. I want you to read it and see what you think. And it was rhyming. And he said, you know, you should really leave Dr. You know, the rhyming up to Dr. Seuss. He was the magician at it. You shouldn't really go there. Rewrite the story, but just write it. Don't rhyme it. And so I said, okay, fine. Sat down, tried to write it. Not a word, not a sentence. I couldn't even get anything out. So I put it on the shelf for another six months. And then when I was in the car waiting for kids or something in the driveway, I would just, you know... Doodle with it was it always on, my on phone. your mind. It was always on my mind. Always. Yeah. It just always came out as a rhyme for whatever reason. And then wrote it again, had him come over and said, you know what? I don't know why, but it's supposed to rhyme. And this book is supposed to be here. So I want your opinion, but I need you to know something. It's going to be here, whether you like it or not. I just need you to know that. 
but I really want your opinion. And he said, okay, I like it. Let's sit down. We need to edit it. And I'm like, what? But it's already edited. Like, it's perfect. He said, "Mm, no, it's not. We really need to kind of fix a couple of things. And so during that process of he and I sitting down side by side at my computer and going through each sentence was truly one of the most precious memories of my brother and I spending time together and over the biggest trauma in our life. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, there were moments where I said, don't you feel like mom's like looking over our shoulder and telling us what to type? Because just, I just felt like magic was happening. Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. So it's been such, just the journey has been so amazing. I think that's amazing what you said too. And, and something that I hope listeners catch on is something worth doing is always on your mind. Oh, Absolutely. And you're meant to do it. And you're always, I mean. You are meant, I totally believe that, how, Alex. How often do we try to side side something, like put it on the shelf? Yes. Like, nope, that's not for me. Yes. But it's always coming back into our life. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm such a believer in that. I, I mean, I think, I don't want to be an astronaut. I don't want to, I don't want to hike Mount Everest. But that coming back to me, the book, writing a book, boy, you could do so much good helping someone else always came back into my mind. And I'm such a believer in that. If it keeps coming in your mind, you are meant to do this. You are meant to do whatever it is. It's it's, it's acting upon that knowing. I think, uh, who was it? Jamie Kearney? Is that her name? Jamie, um, it cosmetics. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, I heard her speak once at a Tony Robbins event and she's, and she mentioned, she's like, you know, we all know you have that no in the head, but it's when you start listening to the knowing Mm. that knowing right here in your chest that that you need to act upon that. Yeah. And how often, and how often do we, do we just overlook that knowing? Yes. And we get in our head and we're like, no. Now people won't listen to that. People aren't people aren't going to buy your book. Like no, right. you know. And you start listening to that, and now people aren't going to listen to the podcast. Why are you doing it? Right, right. But it's that knowing that no, I need to do it because yes. this is telling me. Yes, yes. Call it spirit. Call it God. Call it. I think it's our intuition. I think it's us connecting with our higher power. Yeah, I truly believe Absolutely. that's what it is. And she has such a beautiful story of just she went through all of those struggles. You know, these people who have accomplished, they just kept moving forward. They just kept moving forward. And I, and I, and they never shelved it. They never shelved it. They tried to. Yeah. She tried to, she tried to quit, but she couldn't do it. Yes. But she knew. And I love the phrase. I, I heard her speak at a Tony Robbins as well. And she said the best phrase. She said, I knew there were people out there who needed this product. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's how I feel about my book. Yeah. When it started coming out and people are just like, oh my gosh, I needed this or this reminder or this gave me such love and comfort, or I was like divinely inspired to speak to someone and found out that her mother had actually committed suicide within the year. I'm like, I knew it. I'm like, I knew there were people who needed this message and they needed to be able to start healing from it and be comforted from it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I hope people take action on that. Like, cause I yes. guarantee you, everybody has it. They do. They everybody. do. And if they just believed in, they believe that message. I mean, those listeners who are listening to this, if you have that message, you are the one meant to do it. And guess what? Usually when you're following that knowing it will be the most uncomfortable thing you do. Oh, so uncomfortable. 
and it sucks and it's hard and you're yeah. vulnerable and you're going to cry and it's yep. going to be, st- and you're going to want to quit every single day yes. and you're going to go, why in the hell am I doing this? Right. Every single moment. Yeah. But that's when you but know you're, you're right. on track you're on because track. growth happens when you're uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. The most uncomfortable yep. times in my life are been the most expon- growth exponentially in my life. Yeah. I mean, just this last week was one of them that was just like, oh, like crazy. Yeah. And I needed to go through it. I needed to go through the shit. Mm-hmm. I needed to go through the, the the problems that I was facing because I wouldn't have got the realization of where I need to become or mm-hmm. who I need to become. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yes. You know, um, if you haven't already, I read, just finished Ed Milet's book, The Power of One More. I'm reading it right now. I love oh my it. gosh. I love it. If you haven't come to this part yet, he says something that was so, like I took this phrase out of the entire book. He talks when he's talking about change. He said, change is uncomfortable and it's meant to be uncomfortable because it has to change you. You have to be changed and it is an uncomfortable process. Yeah. And for some reason, I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, no wonder I'm always avoiding it because I don't like that to feel uncomfortable, that feeling, but it's so true. And sometimes it's scary. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. really think about like, go back to those walls that we put up in our lives and those walls we put up on our heart. Hmm? I don't want to tear down one of those walls with that idea that I could get hurt again. Right. It's scary. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's very terrifying. And so to actually trust the process, like we always hear everybody say, no, you just got to trust the journey, be in the journey, trust the process. It's hard. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Life is hard. Yep. And if you tell yourself it's not, you're lying to yourself. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And people need to understand that, that I love when you started this, we are all a product of Mm -hmm. our childhood, Mm -hmm. period. For sure. We are all a product of that, whether we like it or not. Right. It's us accepting that and moving forward is the hardest thing to do. Well, and even uncovering it. Because like I said, I didn't make this realization really until I was, it was actually a Tony Robbins event, Date with Destiny. Someone in the crowd had said something and I was in the middle of my heavy therapy and my journaling and my um, self-discovery and meditation that I was able to hear that and it I'm like, oh my gosh, I made that realization. Wow. But one thing I do want to, I, I do want to touch on, if you weren't doing that work beforehand, that meditation, that journaling, that work on yourself, would you have come up with that realization? I don't think so. Mm-mm. That's a big no. part. Cause I, 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 I agree. Like if I wouldn't have gone through what I did with the state, the mental state of me knowing that I could get out of it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be sitting across from you today. Mm-hmm. I would have been put up the wall and said, nope, I'm done. Not doing this anymore. Right. And so I think that's a big point is it's a continual process of growth. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And I guarantee you, you're still working on shit. Oh, I am. And, and well, then the thing about it is, is that you keep coming up with discoveries. Yeah. You keep coming in with situations like, why am I so hesitant to be around this person? Exactly. Oh, well, it's a trigger. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know I was living my life being triggered by that. That's a trigger because that person had the same characteristics as my father did being an alcoholic. I never knew who he was going to be. And it was like highs and lows and highs and lows. And, and that, so when I'm with someone who's volatile or passive aggressive, 
it is the biggest trigger for me. And I will, I mean, I like to say I'm a professional fleer out of, you know, <laughs> fight or flight. I'm yep. out of there. Yeah. And I will not. Well, how have you, how have you be. trained yourself? Cause I truly believe you have to train yourself and work on that every single day. How, yeah. what have you done to overcome some of that? And also I want to hit on how have you overcome that sense of not abandonment, but, but was it abandonment? It was, it was not enough. Not enough. I, how yeah. how have you how have you overcome that? Let's let's talk about what you've done to overcome that. Well, again, it's one of those things that I don't think you ever overcome. But you become say that again. It is one of those things you never overcome. I think people need to understand that and listen yes. to that. I agree. Yeah. It will be something you live with for the rest of your life. The rest. Period. But you become aware. You become aware when those come up because they're patterns. They're what built our personalities. These experiences are so in our bodies and how, especially, you know, I I lived that pattern for 45 years, really. And you just become aware. So when these situations come up, if I'm having to deal with someone who I know triggers me like that, I really have to talk to myself and go, you know what? They're living in their childhood tragedy, in their trauma. It's okay. This doesn't have anything to do with you. I'm going to show up as my best self. And sometimes it works and sometimes I get triggered. But even if I do get triggered, I'm like, okay, self-soothe, work on myself. We're okay. It's okay. This is just triggering you from your past. It's okay. We're still going to move forward again, you know, make different decisions, but you just become aware and things show up easier like I, I can spot it really quick when I'm in a, when I've been triggered yeah, and I can get over it faster. Something that would take me days to that, that negative, that heavy feeling of anxiety. Yeah. It's now it's done in an hour. Now it's done after a meditation. And how has that helped in your current relationship with George? You know, well, we're now that we've come up, you know, we figured out what both of our childhood traumas are. We have a better relationship, a deeper, more loving, more open and vulnerable than we ever have. You know, last night we even had something came up and it was something so small, but to me it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so I said, hey, I need you to know, I don't like the way you're responding in this situation. It triggers me and I, and even though I need to take responsibility. I said, I feel like this. You know, yeah. all of the, one of the best marital advice we got is always say things in I form. Instead of you're making me so angry, I feel upset when I hear you say this. Again, I need the to take I. that advice. I, that's, I, I. Always take responsibility for, for okay. yourself. I'm huge. going to. Yeah. Because again, it's not someone else. We're just being triggered and we're allowing ourselves yeah. to be triggered by someone else. It's always us. It is always it's us. It's our reaction to it. Our reaction That's to it. That's one thing I've, I've, yeah. And what, what, <laughs> what it also does, once you work through it, is you can pick up people in their childhood traumas so easy. Yep. And you have empathy for them. You have compassion for them because you're like, you know what? I'm giving them... A get out of jail free card because I know that they're really showing up in their trauma and it's okay. And you can love them even more. Do you think you would have been able to get through this trauma without George in your life? You know what? He's the one who really sparked. He really sparked starting therapy in our forties. He went on a journey and was like, I don't know if I want to, uh, to be honest and completely candid. He didn't know if he wanted to be in a relationship 
with me with such a closed heart. Like how he was really looking, how do I want to live the rest of my life? And is this the person I want to be with? And then I started going through it and no, I I don't know if I would, but it would have taken some kind of an event. Maybe if we had ended up getting a divorce, that would have pushed me into it. Yeah. I don't know. But all of the key people that I needed and were so amazing came into my life at the right time. And it was like the perfect storm to start to heal. It's that whole saying, and I know it gets overused so much. Life is happening for you. Oh, yes. It's not happening to you. Yeah, right. Sometimes that's hard to remember. And like, sometimes it feels like, no, it's happening to me. Damn it. This is happening to me. I don't want to accept that it's happening for me. Right. Sometimes it's hard. Oh, absolutely. But I am a firm believer too, that, that people come in your path Mm -hmm. when they're meant to, it's Mm -hmm. whether we accept them or not. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Cause how often do people come in your path and and you look back going, man, I really wish I would have cultivated that relationship better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That would have helped me out more. Well, and that's one thing from this that I'm so grateful that I can now look those relationships that I've had for so many years. Everyone has said, boy, you're different. You're Mm -hmm. just different. But it's because I keep the people in my life that I want to create a deeper relationship. And those that I do, I'm able to create that relationship with them. Hey, you know what? I want you to know how much I mean you mean to me. Yeah. How grateful I am to you for this time, for this dinner. I love you so much. And those are the people who I now know I want to spend my time with that I share that with them. And it's easy for me to do. I mean, Alex... Being raised by an alcoholic father, we did not say, uh, we did not express to each other, I love you, nothing. I mean, that was way too vulnerable. I mean, I think, look back on my father and I think, wow, you kept a roof over our heads. You went to work every day. We always had food on the table. We had clothes to wear. I am grateful for that. However, emotionally, he was nothing, did not show up as anything. I bet you he was empty. Oh, so empty. So empty himself. Yeah. Absolutely. And we I remember three times in my childhood, he told me he loved me. And it was so traumatic for him that he would burst into tears when he said that. And it was uncomfortable for I mean, I could see it physically it was just so uncomfortable for him to do that. But look at his trauma. His spouse had killed herself. I mean, just think, of, just think of the abandonment. Yeah. You are feeling that unwanted and unworthy. And mm-hmm. I mean, having your spouse do that. Right. And, and so with that, yeah. And that's one thing that like, you know, I, I don't, you know, my story. I mean, I have been to that, that dark place where mm-hmm. I wanted to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Like I was there, I was done. And when you're going through that and you have that thought, I thought everybody would be better mm-hmm. without me here. Mm-hmm. I had I had made made that conclusion. No, my kids, my spouse at the time, my parents, I, I I'm doing them a service by getting rid of me. Mm-hmm. That really was a thought that I had. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until afterwards that that I realized that is far from the truth. Mm-hmm the impact that you have, not just that, but generational impact of just, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, I can empathize with those people that do commit suicide because I've been to that dark place, Mm -hmm. but I can also see the other side going, man, I can't believe I went that far. Right. You know? Well, and I don't think any of us are, um, 
I think it can happen to anyone. I can't. All of us. I, I believe. And we can easily go there. And I... I think Keisha gave me the best advice last week when I was going through everything. She's like, Alex, you need to stop listening to yourself mm-hmm. and you need to start talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's profound. She's like, I heard it on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, but, someone else showing up. That, that, but again, honestly, I, that is something that I, I, I will never forget. Some advice, us going through our trials, mm-hmm. you know, last week and, and, and what we're going through. That advice alone is like... You know, there's good self-talk and there's bad self-talk, but even like yourself, you're telling yourself, you had to talk yourself out of those triggers. You had to Mm -hmm. talk yourself. But if you were listening to yourself, Mm -hmm. would you have gotten out of those triggers? Mm. No, because you were listening to that emotion. You were listening to that anxiety. You were listening to that. You get what I'm saying? Yes. But I think, again, one of my theories in life, I think that when we go to that place... Our souls are really screaming at us to make a change and telling us this isn't who you are. Yep. I need you to feel this bad because this is not who you are. And when you are able to feel happiness and joy, you're living in who you are. I so God so created you to be. Agree. It, it's just like we make it, I think we are fooled by that voice, by that anxiety, by that fear. And we think we go deeper and deeper the more we listen to it when really it's there to tell us you're going the wrong way. Your thoughts are wrong. You're going down the wrong path. Yep. You have to turn around and go the other way because that's where we are. We're back there. We, you took a wrong turn on the path and we're back there. You've got to go back and find yourself. And when you start working through it and you start being able to feel that happiness, it's because you're living the life that God made you, intended you to live, Yeah. to feel happy. You know, I always go back to... I always play this domino game, and I always go back that um, men are created that they may have joy. And so I'm always thinking when I'm in that dark place, I think, well, I'm not feeling joy right now, but I'm supposed to feel joy because that's who God created all of us to feel joy. Yeah. So what do I need to do to get back there? Because that's who I was created to be, this this dark my, you know, that voice in my head telling me everything I shouldn't be doing and I'm a failure and, and I shouldn't do this and fear and anxiety. That's not who God created me to be. Yeah. I don't think God went down the line. You you have anxiety, you have depression, you have fear, whatever. I think we're all created to be able to feel joy and we just need to figure out how we do that. Well, how do you feel joy? You know what? I've come to believe working through this, I think joy is a skill. I 100% think joy is a skill. It is something that we need to practice. It is something that, you know, I can practice depression, anxiety, fear all day long. I know how to go there because I practiced it so much. But on the flip side, you need to start practicing some joy. You need to figure out and it's a skill. It is a skill to learn it's to figure choice. out how to do it. And it is a choice. It's a choice. Absolutely. You can choose every yes. single day to wake up yes. with a life of gratitude mm-hmm. or a life of I'm a victim. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I'm happy or I'm not happy. Yeah. So many people like, you know, you can lie to yourself and tell yourself you're happy, mm-hmm. but it's a choice to actually feel the emotion of happiness. Right. Two totally different things. Absolutely. And it's a choice that you have to make. And that's one thing that I, I, I think you can tell yourself all day long. But you have to search the feeling and the emotion behind it. Right. And I think the one place that just actually sparked a memory 
it's that I really was able to feel joy and happiness when I started loving myself. And how do you do that? I just told myself I love myself. Like, I love you. I love you over and over because I never heard that as a child. Yeah. I just I just didn't. I wasn't in a situation where I heard it. I don't remember my mother saying it to me, but I assumed it. Um, but I never heard that. So I started telling myself, I love you. I'm proud of you. And that in and of itself started, talking to yourself. started my journey. Yeah. That was really the first thing that started my journey of being able to heal is that I accepted who I was. Was there a sense of forgiveness in there as well? Oh, for sure. We'll talk oh, yeah. about that a little bit. Absolutely. Because I think that's a big thing that we're, we're always taught in life and, and society, especially in Utah, you know, thou shalt forgive thy neighbor and, and other people, but it's not too often they talk about, you need to forgive yourself. Yeah. Oh, number one. You know, and a lot of times it, it, it came up to me like, oh, Jen, if you had learned this lesson in your 20s, what you could have accomplished. I oh, mean, that, here you are. Life's happening for you, Jen. Uh, <laughs> I know, but I really, I can't go there. But because look at the story. it drives me crazy. I mean, this came out, um, I have a second book that's already done and illustrated. You and do? I'm working on the third. I do. Yes. You know, I want to I wanna hit on that for a minute though, because I've had that happen. I've had people tell me that, like, do you wish you would have not gone through the 10 years of, you know, depression, anxiety, and literal hell that I went through, I put myself through. And at first I was like, yeah, I do wish I would have not had to gone through that. Mm -hmm. But now that I've looked back, I had to go through that mm -hmm. because that's what has helped me become the person I am today. Oh, absolutely. That's given me my story. That's given me the, the, the backing, you know, so many people ask, like, you don't have any experience to do that kind of stuff. Like a podcast. I was like, bet your ass I do. Who, who does? Exactly. I mean, like we all just need to I've, move forward. I've take lived, one step. I've lived a life. I've lived yeah, a full exactly. life. And, and exactly. I don't share anything but that. Yes. And so. You have every right I am, to be here. I embrace my past. Love it. I regretted it at first. I did regret a lot. But I've, I've turned that, uh, that regret into appreciation Good. and gratitude. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's been a hard thing because that's something that I still struggle with, you know, forgiving myself, mm -hmm. putting myself through that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where that forgiveness comes into play mm -hmm. because we're hard on ourselves. Oh, so hard. Like you were saying, like yeah. we are our Every worst critics, critic. Oh, awful. Like yes. I, you know, for you at five years old, it was my fault. Oh yeah. Yep. It was my fault. Yep. I mean, that is hard mm -hmm. to have that kind of thought at a five-year-old. Yeah. And let, let alone, life and like let that. alone live up until you're 45, having that rooted into you, mm -hmm. your belief. Right. And not even knowing it. And not even knowing it. But yeah, every decision is made on that, on our, on that story. Wow. Yes. Yes. So yeah. crazy. Crazy. We're about. amazing people. Alex, we're awesome. Are we? <laughs> we are. You're awesome. I think you're awesome. That's great. It's That's fun. Great. Honestly, I, I look at life going, we have one life to live. Yeah. You know, we'll never have February 21st, 2023 ever again. Mm -hmm. This is it. This mm -hmm. is how we're spending our day today. Mm -hmm. And we have two choices. Either regret it and look down upon it or be grateful that we have the opportunity to actually have it. Mm -hmm. There's yeah, really no other choice. Sure. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think if more people actually just sat down and looked at the, all the little conveniences they have in life. Oh, isn't it amazing? Like we woke up this morning alive next right. to someone who loves us for who we are. Right. We, you know, I had a hot cup of coffee, drove a truck to an office that has, you know, heater because it was a little cold outside, you know, <laughs> and you just look at all these little things and, and for me to, to, to bitch and moan about, oh, this, oh, that it's kind of, it's hard for me to do nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because life is what you create and I want to create a life of gratitude. Yeah. And sometimes that's hard and sometimes you need the trauma in your life to recognize and realize it again, mm -hmm. to actually know, Alex, get back on track. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a lot going for you. Right. You know? Right. But I don't you think that it's just human nature to find, I don't want to say find the bad because I feel like I'm such an optimist. But to find something wrong in any situation that we're in. Oh, negativity is 100%. Yeah. It's just, I just think it's so It is 100%. You immediately go to the negative. I mean, yeah. you immediately go to the worry. You immediately go to, you know, how often do I have it when my parents call me and the first reaction is like, crap, I hope they're not in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Right. Why do I do that? Right. I know they're fine. Why do I immediately go like, oh, something bad happened? When my parents call me because they're older, mm. because that's just how we're, our brains are mm -hmm. trained. We have to choose to be positive every single day. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think we get so caught up in the minutia of life that we forget to choose the positive. Well, and I think we're always waiting for that ball to drop. What, what ball though? Yeah. What, what mysterious ball is out there that's going to drop? Why can't we just live in every moment? Just like, Oh, I'm so grateful for this. I'm so grateful for that. And the small things, because we know that where we both are in our yeah. lives right now will not stay the same forever. People mm -mm. will pass away. There will be trauma. There will be catastrophes, but we just assume that our life is going to stay like it is today. Forever. I'm, I'm always, I'm always telling myself and reminding myself, am I making a permanent decision on a temporary emotion? Mm, that's a good one. You know, and that's yeah. something that I've been really thinking about lately. Am I making a permanent decision on a temporary emotion that I'm having right now? Mm -hmm. Cause it's temporary. Mm -hmm. It is. All emotions change. That's Everything in life changes. Like my tomorrow is not going to be today. Hell, I don't even know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. Right. Right. You know? And just being able to sit like this is a really uncomfortable emotion. Yeah. You know, during our, ugh, during the hardest times in our marriage therapy that it, it was brutal. It was so brutal. Not the fact that there was a chance that we would split up. It was that my story was like clinging to me like nothing else. And for me to get rid of that story was painful. But did you get rid of it? Well, I want to no, I'll, no, yeah. but just the realization of how I was living my life as exactly. the traumatized yeah. child. But I remember in um, I would do meditations every morning, and I was just in such anxiety constantly. And I just remember every morning I would think, "Today I'm going to laugh really hard. Today I'm going to I'm just I'm going to smile. I'm going to think something's funny, and I'm going to laugh. Yeah, and that's what's going to get me through this day. That one thing." And I don't know if it happened, but it got me to another day. Yeah. And then that morning, I, today I'm going to laugh really hard. 
and I don't know what it's going to be about, but I'm going to find happiness, some kind of happiness in today. And that way lead me to another. You day. know, you bring up, you're bringing up past that. I remember when I would do that. I, I today I'm just going to wake up. I'm just going to get out of bed mm-hmm. today. I'm just going to take a shower. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to shave. I just want to shower. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I hope people realize and understand that that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to have oh, days like sure. that. Yeah. Like, like you've said before, there are some times in, in because of your past trauma, you do resort back into that anxiety. Mm-hmm. You do fall back into that five-year-old little girl. Quickly and easily. Cause it's such a pattern in my life. It is. It's yeah. there. When I've lived. But the thing, and it's okay. That's one thing that I want people to understand that it's okay it's to okay. do it. Yeah, it is. It's having the people surrounding yourself with those people that will help you come back out. Right. And having that mental state to actually come back out. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. And really figuring out a plan, like a go-to of what helps you get out of that. Yeah. You know, like if I do not meditate every morning, I can pretty much guarantee that something's going to trigger me during the day. Now that's not, but it just won't affect me as much as if I had meditated that morning or journaled or read a great book. That's I'm improving. I'm growing. I'm doing something. Reached out to a friend. Um, Spent time with people that I love. Spent time with people who really inspire me is a big one. I protect my environment so like ridiculous. I know you guys, you guys really do. I mean, you, you want to hang out with people that, that inspire and uplift you. Yeah. And uh, that's one thing that I've, I've seen. I've, I I see it. Like I I see it with when we're around you and, and everything like that. And I admire it. It's something that I've tried to emulate in my life as well. Like, okay, do these people actually serve me or are they bringing me down? Right. You know, and it doesn't mean that you can't love them. Yeah. But I always say I might love you from across the street, across the city, across the state, across the country, on the other side of the world. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I'm going to give you my time and my energy. But I will love you, and I will wish you well. There's only so much more time we have in life. life. Yes. You know what? The older you get. You know, we're all these kids that we have, and then we have our first grandbaby coming on the way. I mean, I'm so excited. Yeah, that your life gets busy, and you do. I think that comes of a very important key part of who do you spend your time with? Who do you want to spend your time with? Because there's not a lot of time extra that you have. No, and you want to spend those time with people that you love and adore and you learn from. Like I have a, a dear friend who I go to lunch with and she's always like, what book did you read? I've been reading this book and we're always talking books and like, what have you learned in that? And what, Yeah. just, you know, those kinds of people always like pushing me to do you know, the ones I feel accountable to. Then there are other ones where I'm like, I better be on my A game because I know that this person's on their A game and I want to show up for them. Yeah. So I better be doing things it for It pushes me to you be to be better yeah. every single day. Oh, absolutely. Day. Yeah. For sure. For and that's, sure. I, I agree with you 100% there. Well, I mean, yeah. you talked a little bit about your, your future and, and what's next for Jen. I mean, you got two books. Two books. In the works. Yep. So, so this, this is a one, series. It's a series. I'm re- I'm writing the third one right now. So this one is, you know, talking about death and how we're always connected. Love yep. is always connecting us even after death. In the book, Jenny's mother dies. And then Jenny's able to recall the story, the lesson that her mother has taught her that you're always connected. And so she knows her mother will always be with yeah. her. And again, for me, my, my story was uh, God's made a mistake. I'm not enough to be able to keep my mother alive to now my story has changed that I feel guided by a loving mother daily. That story that I live in created this book. 
the story that. that I lived in as a child never would have been See, able to create this book. Let's talk about that a little bit. You changed your story. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Talk about that. You I do. mean, you're, and so many people are, you know, that saying, well, this is just who I am. Yes. One of my, I hate that saying. I think it's a load of crap. I used to tell myself that. Oh, I think we all have. I think and we all have. This is just who I am. I mean, yes. if you would sit back and, well, this is just who I am. I'm that five-year-old daughter. None of this would have come to pass. Right. You no, change never. your story. Talk about that, changing your story. Well, I think it came, it's, it was during the self-work and doing, you know, that nagging feeling. You have something to do. You have something to contribute. You know, it's interesting. This just came up. George would always ask me when we had, you know, we have five children. Mm -hmm. And he was over here building company and I was staying home with them, taking care of them. And he would always ask me, what's your legacy? What's your legacy? And I'm like... I don't know. I guess raising these kids is my legacy. Kids, like, yeah. I don't know. Here he was doing these great things and speaking and building and, and changing people's lives. And I'm like, I don't do that. I'm home with these kids and I just feel like it's a mundane every day. Yeah. But with me being able to work on myself, to start loving myself and accepting myself and even telling myself, hey, I'm proud of you. Yeah. I am proud of you. Like words I've never heard growing up. And starting to write the books, those little moments came up where I felt so guided by my mother, so guided. And I'm like, okay, this is my story. Like, I can't deny that we're not connected with yeah. those who have passed on. I now long can no longer deny that. And I know she loves me. I mean, I feel it. I feel it when I share the book with someone that I'm able to help someone else. Yeah. I feel that love. And I'm like, mom, this wouldn't be here without you. And in my meditations, I would ask the question, mom, what are the words we need to write? Like we're writing this together. I truly felt like we were writing it together. And I would say, okay, I'm really stuck on this page. What do I need? What words do I need to write down to move forward? Help me, help me. Yeah. And it's just, it's, this is what it's turned into. And I can't deny that it, she's not with me. Honestly, I know she is. you have a glow Oh, every so time kind. you talk about your book, I know. every it's time like, you bring it up, every time, oh. even on your social media now, it's just like just your presence and your happiness and just everything. It does bring you joy. And it does. That sure. alone will touch so many people. It does. It's my mission. So like, when are your next two books coming out? So the next one is done. And the next one is actually a continuation. It's a, okay. it's a conversation between Jenny and her father. And her father has tells her how her mother really died, which is by suicide. So that one um, obviously hits close to home. But it's a, conver a topic that we need to start talking about. More because, and more. And unfortunately, it's becoming more and more common. And... The children are getting younger and younger. You know, at the beginning of COVID, I always thought that it was actually going to be just Jenny and her working on sadness or loneliness. But at the beginning of COVID, our cute little Bella, her, one of her very best friends had died from suicide and she was 14 years old. And to see your daughter go through that experience at that age and then see how people reacted. I mean, it brought up a couple things, actually, that I had no idea. Yeah. How much shame is around suicide. Like me being a survivor of suicide, 
I now have to tell you my mother died from suicide. But Alex, what I'm really telling you is my biggest, darkest secret that I'm not enough. And I wasn't enough to be able to keep her alive. So that's so shameful. And just seeing how people reacted, the school system, people surrounding, and rightfully so, it's how I reacted. Yeah. I said, we need to start talking about this. We need to start talking about suicide. We need to help the children who have experienced this in their life personally. These are the emotions. She really goes through the emotions and she's talking to her father like, why do I feel this? Why didn't she say goodbye to me? Why do I feel so angry? Why do I feel so sad? What do I do? And it's really talks about talking about your feelings. And it's also, I think it's good for a parent. I think it's very common for a parent to lie to a child about suicide. I agree. I think one, because they don't think a child will understand and rightfully so. I was five. I didn't even know what death was, let alone suicide. And they second, think they're protecting them. They think they're protecting them. And then second, I think they are struggling so much. They don't even know how to have the conversation because they can't. They, they can't have they the conversation. Take that, care of themselves. Well, they can't have alone. the conversation with themselves. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. You look at your past experience with your, with your father. Could right. he really have that conversation with himself looking no. back? And you know, it's so, and just even going through that has been so healing with my father You know, just like, you know what? You did the best you could with what you knew how. Uh He had a lot of trauma in his childhood from stories that I hear. And it's okay. He did the best he could do. And what he knew was he had to provide for these three children. And he He did. He did. He did. Could he be there emotionally? No. But I think, you know, he had trauma from his childhood. I don't think he and my mother had a relationship where they could treat each other with an open heart. Yeah. They had close hearts as well for whatever reasons, you know. And we'll never know, really. And we'll never know. We'll yeah. never know. But he did the best he could with what he knew how. And yeah. kudos to him for showing up. So can I, you know, hold grudges against him, which I did a Oh, lot. I can only imagine the Anger grudges. Anger against him for years. And absolutely. A, Was it justified? Sure. Absolutely. But on the flip side, he really did the best he could with what he knew. So for that, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that he showed up yeah. in that arena. And honestly, to have that kind of sense, that that sense and kind of forgiveness in your heart. Yeah. It's taken a lot. I bet you. Oh, for sure. But you know what? The, it's, it's so such worth freedom. It. And it's so it worth is it. such freedom. Talk about joy. Oh, to- oh, absolutely. Talk about the joy that we're supposed to have in our life. Yep. Simple forgiveness. Simple forgiveness is such a huge thing because it we, are, if you are so consumed with sadness and anger and fear, I call it wiggle room. Yeah. There's no room for joy to come in there because you are full of all of this other opposing emotion. You got to make a little wiggle room. You got to start forgiving to get rid of some of that anger to be able to let joy fall into your life. You have to be able I to love, do that. I love that. The wiggle room. You got to make I a need, little wiggle I need, room. I need more wiggle room in my life. <laughs> I love that, Jen. We all do. We all do. Well, where can, where can people pick up the book? You know what? It's on Amazon. Okay. I will be with you always under Jennifer Morris. Okay. Right you want to show it to the camera here? 
Amazon. And also, you can get to it um, on my website, loveconnexus.com. Okay. Go on there, and there's a link to Amazon as well. And you're or on social media. Social media. Right now, Instagram. You know, this is a whole new world for me. <laughs> I, I got to be honest, because... Um, being able to go through this process, things kind of start falling into place. So oh, yes, Jennifer underscore Morris Bunny. I just had to add the bunny in there in case someone was looking for well, that. I mean, you, you, got the bunny. Bunny. you got I the bunnies. So you can get the bunny as well. If there's someone who yeah. in your life where you might need it, um, it's there to you to give you some love and comfort. I love it. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being on. Hey, thanks, And Alex. thank you for You're sharing your best. story. Honestly, you. I love you guys. I well, you. you create a safe space for me to be able to do that. So for that, I am so grateful. And, you know, you are meant to have a seat at the table. You're totally worthy to be in this arena. You do an amazing job. And I have felt comfortable and um, I was able to be vulnerable because of you. So thank I'm you. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> Leave me. Stop it. Honestly, You're a good Jen, man. It, thank it, you. That means so much to me. Thank you thank so much you. for being on. And reach out, guys. Um, go buy her book support her. I know I will. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. 